The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. So you guys relax a little bit. Brother Alva's requested a microphone. Brother Alva just told me, if you can do any better than that, Brother John, (laughs) uh, then let him have it. (laughs) Oh, gosh, what an awesome privilege. And you know, what, what we should be reminded of seriously here today is that all along the journey, uh, you and I that are younger, some of us more younger than other of us, uh, than Brother Alva, is that we all stand on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. People who've prepared the way, people who've labored, people who've prayed, people who've given themselves in service to God, people who've laid a foundation in Christ. Uh, that we get to be able to stand on. And so Alva is one of those, I think, here in the Outer Banks that has laid a foundation, not just for this church, but for other people uh, to stand on. And there are some others here that I could name, uh, actually many, but you and I really get the privilege of being that person that can lay that foundation in Christ so that those who follow us can stand on our shoulders We want to leave it better than we found it. We want this world to know Christ better when we leave it than before we came. We want to be a people who obey the Word and love one another as we've been loved. We want to be a people that God can continue to build His church on and release life, uh, not only in this little part of His world, but throughout the whole world. So, Brother Alva, thank you, my man. You're good to me. And since we learned a long time ago in ministry, and I certainly fed it to my two boys, um, we don't have to follow anybody. We just follow Jesus. But if I had to follow you with your poetry, I would be in a lot of trouble, Brother Alva. (laughs) Yes. Well, listen, we did have our men's retreat this weekend. We've got some of our guys here. Uh, Some of the folks that labored hard over there to feed this crowd that came. And I've got my son, John, here with us this morning. I'm really thrilled to have John. And John is now pastoring a little Baptist church in Wilmington. I don't know how he got from a full-blown, independent, charismatic, Pentecostal, tongue-talking person (laughs) to uh, pastoring a Baptist church. Uh, it's good to know that some of them are still there. <laughs> they haven't all left. But uh, we have also his friend Jason. We had a number of guys that were over this weekend. Uh, we also are going to be taking a crew up to Delaware in September for a men's retreat. And if any of you guys would like to go, we got two buses over here that we can fill up. Uh, and we'll give you some more information on it in case you'd like to go and be a part of that with us. But we had a great time. Uh, listen, I was just saying, would you guys, would you mind holding one of those babies up? John Eric, would you 
But so I know you can't quite hold that. I just hadn't seen the newbie. I hadn't seen that one either. That is so awesome, David. Well, this one was busy. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, baby. That's three weeks. Let it go, John Eric. David, thank you. Thank you, Court. Looking good, guys. Hallelujah. Look at this one. This one over here, this is young Corey and Hayden, but this one is named Salem, but it's really Johnny Salem. <laughs> Nobody else will name their babies Johnny, so I'm naming the babies Johnny. <laughs> so uh, got Haley here and little Johnny Salem. <laughs> I love it. You know, and I would say to the people who've managed to tap into Liberty watching this online, uh, we really having a good time, and if y'all want to move on down here, you're welcome. You can just come on. Our people have babies. And uh, so if you're needing one or if you'd like to birth one, just come on down. We would suggest that you get a husband. What, what are you holding back there, Lee? Oh, hold that one up. Yeah, baby. Look at that. People behind you can't see. Turn around, Lee. All right, way to go, buddy. We got any more babies? No more babies in the house. Got one in the back. Somebody's pointing at somebody. Lift that baby up. All right, way to go now. Thank you, Jesus. That's good, ain't it? Got another one over here? How come they ain't lifting the baby up? There you go. Way to go, baby. Is that not awesome? That is good to me. I don't know what all that says about personal activity, but I am really thrilled <laughs> that we keep having all these babies. I didn't just say that, did I? I did, didn't I? Well, okay, baby doll, it's time to preach. Uh, Scott, it'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> I, know, I know you got to clean it up, but it'll be all right. There, you got some friends in the house. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Okay, guys, I'm probably going to have to move kind of quickly now that I've done all this. Um, Two passages of Scripture this morning. Um, the first one that I'm going to share with you is one that I had in my spirit that I really brought to the table last night as I was thinking about this morning's service. The other Scripture is one that popped in my head around 4 o'clock in this morning, and uh, I just haven't been able to shake it. So I told the folks at the first service I was going to try to figure out how these two Scriptures work together. So if you conclude after I'm done that they don't, that's all right. But if you conclude that they do, that's also all right. But the main thing is to hear what God's saying to you this morning about himself and how he wants to speak into your life. So the first passage is out of Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. The thing that excites me about this is... Paul is addressing a church in which there were many revivals taking place. Ephesus was a community 
that was, was an incredible, interesting community. It was a vital community, but it was also a community that had some excellent pastors come through it. But there was revival that really shook the town. And then somehow they settled back into being the church. And something about settling back into being the church. Uh, I'm not anti-church. I wouldn't be standing up here. However, I am pro-family. So that I understand that if we have family, we can do church. But if we try to do church and we don't have family, we're a mess, a real mess. But God, in his wisdom, has called us together as his family. You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it pleased our Father to bring us into this kind of unity as a family. But what we always realize is that we are family, but we also are human. But what we forget sometimes is that we are really spirit beings living in physical bodies, journeying through this realm, having a human experience. Stay with me for a moment. If we somehow just think that we are human beings looking for a spiritual experience, we will wear out a lot of churches and get worn out by a lot of churches, and our preferences will dictate where we go. But if we understand that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we are spirit beings traveling through this realm on the way back to the house, having a human experience, that means that the work comes from the inside, and what you are here doesn't dictate who you are. It's what that comes from the inside in terms of your being birthed from above, born again as a child of God, and you understand that you are a child of the Most High God, but you're living it out in this physical body, so that this physical body and our human experience is just part of the journey. But our Father, if we will let Him, He will take all of these experiences that we have and the Holy Spirit from within will use it all to conform us to the image of Christ. So that as we journey through here, people will be able to see in us and through us who Jesus really is. So it really is a matter of taking his life on the inside of us and then being obedient to what he says so that God can be revealed through the life we live doesn't make me and you divine. It doesn't take long to understand we're not. However, what's on the inside of us is. And what happens with us in church sometimes is that we give more attention to our humanity than we do to the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. So that we need to feed that Spirit of God on the Word, on fellowship, in relationships, so that we grow stronger and stronger, so that as we make the journey, folks on the outside will begin to see Jesus. You all right? 
I want to give you that little background here as I read this passage because what he's doing here is addressing the church. And he says some really neat stuff, so stay with me here. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right, right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, the name that is invoked, and not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. So what he's doing in this is really fundamentally two things. He's praising the people for who they are. He's thanking them for being the body of Christ. He's excited about what they're doing as the church and the body of Christ. He's reminding them that Jesus is the ticket. He's reminding them that no matter what's going on with you guys, the source of life and the end, and the end game in all of this is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So that there's a reminder in this. And he prays in a couple of specific ways. He says, I pray for wisdom for you from on high. And, and I pray that in addition to that wisdom, you would have a spirit of revelation. In other words, that, that God will be able to reveal to you who you are, what you're about, what your journey looks like, what the, the purpose and direction of your fellowship is to be about. I want you to have that, that revelation in addition to the wisdom that God is going to give you. Because I want you to be able to make the journey. But in the process, remember, the strength that God used in terms of the power of the Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit lives in you. So that the power that was released as Jesus was raised from the dead is that same power that lives on the inside of us as the people of God. Now hear me now. What that means is, we cannot continue to run around apologizing for our humanity or excusing ourselves because of our humanity. I don't know if you ever get bothered with this. Some people will say, well, you know, I'm just human. And I want to say, that's evident. <laughs> but that's not just who you are. What's on the inside of you is the Spirit of the living God. Really, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's what's taken up residence in you. So your outward appearance should be being changed 
by what's on the inside of you. Does that make sense to you? So that if you met Jesus five years ago, some things should have changed in your life. If they haven't, it's not because he's gone anywhere. It's because you or I have not submitted and yielded to what he wants to do in our lives. You all right? Western culture has raised up a church in America that has a tendency to be built more on what our preferences are than being built on the reality of Jesus as the firm foundation. There's a quote I've used for a lot of years now from way back by Francis Schaeffer that says that the great enemy of the church and the great enemy of America is materialism. Not because God hates rich people, because God's pretty wealthy himself, but because we have a tendency when all of our needs are met in the natural to shift our dependency from God to the stuff that we have. And it's that tendency to shift our dependence away from him that causes us to learn how to be really selfish and really want our preferences to be met. For example, in church, some folk prefer traditional hymns. I like hymns. I love hymns. Some folk prefer contemporary music. I like contemporary music. Some folk, like me and my mama, we like country music, and we kind of like country gospel music. So if I had my preference, I'd probably select a little bit of all of it. But some folks don't prefer dancing in church. Some folks prefer dancing in church. Some folk don't prefer flags. Some folks are dangerous with flags. <laughs> that if you happen to sit close to one, particularly if you get close to Jason here, you could lose an eye or go home with a whelp or a knot on your head. Some folks would prefer that we sit in the same place every Sunday. I went to preach at a church, and uh, we're going on some. So folks out there listening, right? I can do it anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I was preaching in this church in Oxford, North Carolina. My wife and I got there a little early. We sat down in this pew. And as I'm standing on this stage telling you the truth, this woman came in and said to my wife, you're in my seat. <laughs> and that spirit of slap came on me. You know what I mean? I wanted so much to rise up out of that pew and pop that woman upside the head. <laughs> but my wife, being the sweet lady she is, she said, okay, and just slid down a little bit. Well, that wasn't enough because now she was sitting in her husband's seat or sister's seat. They owned the whole flipping pew. <laughs> I mean, that was not fun. We somehow get attached in our humanness to our preferences. Let me tell you something. It's not about our preferences. It's about honoring Him. It's about worshiping Him. 
It's about keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. And whatever celebrates Jesus is what we hunger for. We will always have to deal with our humanity. But at some point, in order to have the unity that our Father wants for the body, which is His family, we have to be willing to put preferences aside and press in to who He is and what He desires. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, I'm going to jump shift here because that was the sermon. I didn't flesh it out, but I'm done with it right now. I want to give you the scripture that came to me at four in the morning that I have preached on so many times. And one of the reasons that I resisted the scripture he gave me was because I've preached on it so many times. I'm really literally laying there saying, Lord, really, we could do something different. We could do something fresh. And what I heard him say was, it's written, it's there, it's always fresh. Can you be fresh with it? I don't know how the Lord speaks to you. But when you understand that it's him talking, however he speaks to you, it's probably good to listen. Uh, So, I said, okay, but I have no idea how that Scripture fits, Lord, with the one I prepared. He didn't say, well, forget the one you you prepared. But I think I heard him say, I'll show you how to flesh that out. So here's the Scripture. Proverbs 21, 21. How many times have you heard me? Uh Uh-huh. You want to come help me? Oh, be fresh. Okay, Proverbs 21, 21. He who pursues righteousness and love will find life, prosperity, and honor. Now, key word there is pursue. A key ingredient of pursuit is intentionality. I intend to pursue this. Because if I don't intend to pursue it, I probably ain't going to pursue it. If I want to see the body of Christ reveal the glory of God, then there are certain things that on my level, personally, if I'm going to contribute to that, that I must pursue. Intentionality. What he says here is that we are to pursue righteousness and to pursue love. Sometimes in our intentionality, we can pursue the wrong stuff. Is that right? Have you ever been so enamored with something, you just knew it was something you had to have, and then you got it, and it was awful? Uh Uh-huh. And that story I've told a ton of times about being in love deeply with two women in my life when I was... 10, and when I was 13 or 14, and my wife reminds me that the object of my affection in both cases have now been married five times, both of them. And she also reminds me if I had gotten what I wanted to pursue, would I be husband one, two, three, four, or five? So sometimes 
what you pursue really is important. But if it's important and it's of God, then you have to be intentional about your pursuit. Scripture simply says to seek first the kingdom. And all this other stuff be added to you, but seek first the kingdom. To pursue is to be hot after something, to want nothing to get between you and it before you get it, to set your mind on it, set your heart on it, be committed to it, be intentional about it, pursue it, pursue it. The pursuit of excellence, the pursuit of kindness, the pursuit of a right relationship, to be intentional about what we are pursuing. The two things he says that we are to pursue are righteousness and love. Now, if you have a New Testament mindset and you look at this admonition in the Old Testament, then you realize that righteousness is a person, his name is Jesus. Love is a person, his name is Jesus. So to pursue the right stuff is to pursue Jesus. Scripture tells us that his righteousness, that that he would give us, is not like the righteousness that we somehow look for in the world when we do the right thing. But anything that we would do, whether it's right being or right doing or whatever on our own, is like filthy rags compared to the fact that Jesus has imparted his righteousness to us so that as we pursue him, we can walk in this realm as righteous people. And Scripture says we are like oaks of righteousness, strong people who are righteous in the Lord. Well, we have to pursue that. We have to pursue that. One of the issues for us as it relates to church, for example, uh, one of the most difficult things to work with and work through in the journey that we're on back to the house is right relationships. I mean, I've said a ton of times, I'm not particularly proud of it, but it's just the truth. Uh, I love Jesus. It's people to get on my nerves. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I'm one of those people. So I'm getting on somebody else's nerves. And there are times when I'm on my own nerves. But it's our humanity that is so difficult for us to adjust to on the journey, whether it's ours or somebody else's. But what we're being told here, we are to pursue right relationships by pursuing him who is righteous. Because I'm telling you, Jesus ain't messed up. He gets along with his daddy. He gets along with the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they ain't got no problem with one another. You can love the Holy Ghost, daddy's happy. You can love Jesus, daddy's happy. You can love daddy, Jesus is happy. You can love Jesus, the Holy Ghost is happy. I mean, they get along. You understand what I'm saying? And the righteousness is born out of the relationship that you see manifested at Calvary. But you and I, he gives us what we need from the inside out to be able to be rightly related to one another. And the issue is whether or not we're willing to pursue that. Are we willing to go to somebody who's hurt us and say, look, I forgive you and I love you. Will you forgive me for what I've done? 
Let's be right together. We're in this journey together. Let's be right with one another here. And you have to sometimes work at making it right because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I can be an absolute doofus. And people can be rightly upset with me because I'll forget something, not do the right thing, or be an idiot about something. I know I'm looking at you, so I don't see any idiots out here. Uh, maybe a few doofuses, but I don't see idiots. You know, that we all have a tendency to fail. And relationships get tough. But God is saying, hey, you're my family. You're the body. You are, quote, unquote, the church. You are to relate differently than the world relates. So you're to be in pursuit of right relationships. Because the world out here, they expect somebody else in the world to pop it to them. They don't expect somebody in the house to pop it to them. Y'all see what I'm saying? You do not you? look like a nice bunch. So, the relationship here is about what righteousness is. We are righteous through the pursuit of right relationships. And one of the things I'm really excited about in the life of this body is that right relationships is one of the core values of this church. I love it. But sometimes it's hard to pursue. So I'm just going to remind you that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you so that you can overcome broken relationships from your end. Even if you can't fix the other end, you can make sure you're right with them. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And he says to pursue love. It's not talking about some of the sloppy mess that we're calling love in our society. That Hebrew word for love in this particular part of this proverb is the same equivalent as the word agape in the New Testament. It's God's unconditional love. He's saying, pursue that. That love for us is manifested in the person Jesus. So it's in our pursuit of Jesus that we lay hold of unconditional love. And then the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is shed abroad in our own hearts, that same unconditional love. So what that means is you and I don't have an excuse for not loving somebody. And we may be reacting to their humanity, and some of the humanity might need a little bit of work, but the truth is we've been given the capacity through His unconditional love to love even the unlovely. Okay. God's promises are conditional. What I just laid out for you is the condition. If you pursue righteousness and love, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find that you have something that's incredibly precious. You're going to find that as you pursue these things, you're going to find a life that is abundant and full. You're also going to find prosperity that the world doesn't understand. And you're going to find honor that everybody seems to want. But you'll find a different kind of honor. Stay with me just a few minutes. I'm about done here. If you pursue what you're supposed to pursue, this is what God promises you. It's His promise, not mine. He promises that this is what you'll find. You'll find love. 
But in the loving that we find, we find what we call life. Jesus talks about this in John 10, that we're to have a life that is abundant and a life that is overflowing, a life that is full, a life that is full. One of the things I remember about a trip that Scott had to Zambia some years ago when he took some teenagers from the church down there in Wilmington, Scott was just amazed at the way some of these women in the bush would bring kids out of the bush into where the orphanage was, knowing that many of those kids were going to die, that they themselves could not care for those kids, but they were bringing them in where some folks could care for them, but they knew even in bringing them that a number of their kids wouldn't make it. But Scott was saying, Dad, what I couldn't get over was the cheerfulness the joy, what seems to be even happiness in the lives of some of these mothers who had nothing but a dying child. That ain't what we call a normal human reaction. But what had happened to some of those folks is because some folks had a vision for Zambia, they were over there ministering the gospel and loving folks, and folks were finding Christ, and their lives were being transformed. And out of that transformation... These people found a life in the midst of what was no life for a lot of people. Can I tell you something, baby? The life that God promises us is the life that in the midst of some of the most horrific circumstances, we can have an abundance, whether it's joy or peace or gentleness or goodness or faithfulness or whatever, we can have an abundance because we have pursued the right stuff. So when life gets hard in the journey, you can still have a life that is full. And what I'm telling you is there's nothing in the world out here that's going to give that to you. All the money in the bank, all the houses you have, all the cars you drive cannot replace the loss of a son or a daughter. What meets that void in there And the abundant life that comes, even in the midst of that, has to come through pursuing Jesus, pursuing rightness, pursuing the love that only he can bring. So that's what gives us an abundant life there. Secondly, he says that you will find in this pursuit of the right stuff, that you will find that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, that you are going to have prosperity. And I'm sure some of you heard me tell about the story where I went to do some ministry in Atlanta, Georgia. We were in a wealthy section in Atlanta. And I went out one day for a walk, and I'm walking down the sidewalk with my buddy Kenny Davis. And Kenny's a weird guy that comes down here some and uh, who can't quit laughing. And if you listen, you can't quit laughing because it's contagious. But he also has this habit of if you cry, he cries. So I'm walking down this sidewalk, and while I'm walking down the sidewalk, the Lord said to me that the poverty's in the house. In the midst of all of the affluence, I heard the Lord say the poverty's in the house. So I started to cry. I'm just walking down there blubbering like an idiot. Next thing I know, Kenny's over blubbering like an idiot. And so we're walking down there, not arm in arm. We thought we might it, but we weren't. But so we are weeping at that word that in the affluence there's poverty. And what God was saying was, their prosperity is in their relationships. 
And in the house, the relationships are broken. So there's poverty there. Regardless of what there may be in terms of material stuff, that as the people of God, our prosperity is in our relationships. We find prosperity in the life that we have in our relationships with our kids, with our spouses, with the people that God gives us the opportunity to walk with. One of the incredible things about this family right here at Liberty is that I have looked at a lot of people in this church who've gone through some horrific stuff in their walk, but I've watched them walk in a life that is rich because they have relationships and they work at them and they find their prosperity in the relationships. Not on our own strength, but because we pursued the right stuff and we have Jesus, we have his righteousness, and because we pursue that, we're able to have prosperity even through a lot of brokenness. Lastly, word there says we'll have honor. Honor's an interesting thing, but in this scripture, the Hebrew word there for honor means weighty or heavy. What it really means is that if you pursue the right stuff, your life's going to mean something. Your life is going to have weight to it. Your word is going to mean something if you pursue the right stuff. God promises that your life is going to have weight to it and meaning. Sometimes in our society, we want to be honored for what we do or what we say, and we think folks somehow or the other owe it to us. Let me say this to you. God owes us nothing. Anything we get above hell is more than what we deserve. But he's made a way for us to live with him for all eternity and live in the fullness of his presence. So God has reached into us and said, I'm going to honor you. You have value to me. I'm giving my son for you that you can live for all eternity with me. God is saying, your life is so important to me. I'm going to honor you in the greatest way any human being could ever be honored. My son is going to die for you. Can you imagine that? Can you compare any honor that this world could give you with the fact that the Son of the Most High God would come and die in your place because you have such value to the Lord. But if you don't pursue Him and don't pursue righteousness, you don't pursue His love, you miss that. You don't understand that. You don't know that. So you pursue honor out here in the world. And all I'm saying to you, look, if nobody honors you and you know Jesus, and you love him, and you pursue the right stuff, your life's going to mean something. Your life's going to make a difference. Your word will count for something. That's what honor is about. It's what our daddy's done for us. Okay, guys, um, I'm about done here now. Uh, the reason I believe this second scripture is brought into play <laughs> is because in that first passage of Scripture, we have the writer talking to a body of believers, 
and telling them he loves them, he prays for them, he's thankful for them, and he wants them to be able to understand that no matter what the journey looks like, the power of God is resident within you to live not on your preferences, but to live seeking after the things of God, to live being satisfied in Him and not whether or not our flesh is comfortable or satisfied, but to know on the inside by the spirit man, spirit woman, that we have a God who has given it for us so that we can walk in all that He has for us. It's good stuff. We flesh out what it means to be the family by walking in obedience to the Word of God. And what we understand is, even when it's hard, He supplies what we need to be able to make the journey. Okay, that's it for me for today. You guys are awesome. Thank you for uh, listening and, and receiving what God's saying to you. Um, and do me a favor. This season right now in this country is prime time for the body of Christ. We were made for this season. We were raised up for this season. But we've got to get together in the house so that in the marketplace, our Father can use us in a way that sets the captives free. So, Park some preferences and seek Jesus. Pursue the right stuff. And God will use us for his glory in ways that we never dreamed. Okay? All right, if you could just stand with me just a minute here. Where's my boy Richard? You're a good man there, buddy. My drummer boy is going over there. I know that we're running a few minutes late. This clock's 10 minutes fast. If you set your watch back 10 minutes, you won't know the difference. Uh, want to encourage you, if you would. This friend of mine, Horace Hilton, is often saying, was often saying, this moment is the only moment like it we'll ever have. That we'll never have another moment just like this one where you're here, I'm here, we're here, where we are in our journey, where we are and stuff. It's the only moment like this we'll ever have. So you don't want to miss what God is saying to you today. If God is speaking to your heart, you respond to what He says. It's not about me. It's not about the preaching. It's about what God says. If He's got something that He wants to put into your heart today, receive it. If He's got a word for you to act on, act on it. But don't miss the moment that God has for you right now. Okay? So, Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to work your work in us today. Thank you, Lord, for the, uh, what Paul calls the foolishness of preaching. That we can take your word, Lord, and trust that your spirit would make it alive for those around us. Lord, let your word fall on fertile ground today that we might pursue you in all that we're about. We thank you for it. Now, for those of you this morning, if you've never met Jesus, if you've never invited him into your heart, you do not want to leave this place today 
without making a decision for Jesus Christ. To invite him into your heart right now to be your personal Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. If you're here and you're sick in your body or your mind or your spirit and you want healing, I want to invite you to come and let us anoint you with oil and pray that God would supernaturally touch you and bring healing and wholeness. If you're here this morning and you've got relationships that are broken and hurting, this is your day to invite the power of God into those relationships that he might heal them and make them whole. This fellowship right here, God is doing some amazing stuff right now that's going to flow out of this place into the community. You want to be part of that. You want to say to the Lord, I want to be available for that. I want to be used by you. I want to invite you this morning to make that commitment, whether you make it where you are or down here. So that's the invitation. As our brother leads us here, I invite you to come as you feel led or stay right where you are. But don't miss the moment. Receive what God's got for you this morning. Okay? The food will wait. It'll be there in 10 more minutes. Okay? But do business with the Lord before you leave here today.